I don't know about you, but it's hard to see all of those and not get excited. I mean, what and who we are in Christ matters. The fact that we are the aroma of Christ, we're actually the sons and daughters of the Most High God. That is who we are. That is who you are. This identity piece came clear to me many years ago, and I told that story last week. And if you've not listened to the messages in the series, I would encourage you to go back and pick them up because we're building line upon line, verse upon verse here through the book of Colossians. The series is called Identified. And the whole idea here is understanding who and whose we are and discovering that. We want to discover who we are in Christ because that changes everything. For me, it shifted everything. I remember it was uh, a number of years ago, and I thought I needed reading glasses. I'm talking about, I was in my 20s here, so my uncle was like kind of humoring me because he knew a guy who knew a guy who had a, a lab where they made glasses. You know how those go, know a guy who knows a guy? So I go to this lab in Lubbock, it's a, one of the, where they do the glasses, and uh, this guy walks me out, and he says, hey, I made your glasses for you. I want, I want you to walk over to this window with me. So we walk over to this big plate glass window. And he says, okay, just look out over there. So I'm looking across 34th Street there in Lubbock. And I'm seeing everything. And he says, now put those glasses on. I put the glasses on. And it's like literally going from uh, an iPhone 4 to an iPhone 10X Plus. I mean, it's like going from... From the old Sony Trinitron that my parents had that weighed 7,000 pounds to the 65-inch curved screen Samsung that some of you own and I will someday. It's, it's like that where you're just, you're, all of a sudden life's in 4K. I mean, everything had definition. I put those glasses on and it was like trees had branches and leaves. Trees were green. Did you know that? Green. Even in Lubbock, they're green when you can see and what happened to me as I realized, as I processed that off and on through the years, is that sometimes we don't know we're blind because we're blind. Sometimes you don't know what it's like to feel good when you've been sick for so long and that becomes the normal. And then when you feel good again, it's like, oh my gosh, I've been born again again. Same way with sight. Same way with feeling better. Sometimes we just don't know how bad we are. How far diminished we are from what God wants us to be. And on this identity piece, having walked this track for 35 years, having met thousands of followers of Jesus who are like Woody in Toy Story 2, who did not know who he was, that he was beloved, that he was actually famous, and that kids all around the world thought he was the best thing ever, but he didn't know who he was. And here's the problem. If the enemy knows, the enemy of your soul knows that you don't know who you are in Christ, he will have a heyday with your life. Because he will continue to convince you how messed up you are, how broken you are, how bad you are, how unworthy you are, how you don't measure up to God's expectations. I mean, after all, the scripture says in the Elizabethan English, authorized version 1611, King James says, Be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And those of us who've taken those words literally, they actually, instead of being life-giving, which they're meant to be, they actually become destructive to us. 
And the enemy will leverage the word of God, the very word that he wanted to bring you to give you hope and to lift you up and to inform your life. The enemy will twist and pervert those same words to destroy you. So there are many who are followers of Jesus who love Jesus. Read their Bible. Go to church and serve. They pray. But they're living, they're living under the smokescreen of a lie that says they'll never make it. They'll never measure up. They'll never be good enough. God may or may not accept you. The Bible says that the devil is a liar. Amen. And a deceiver. And he is also in John 10, the one who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've got good news for you. There's the flip side of that coin, and it is Jesus who said, But I came that you might have life. That's the word zoe, which means the God kind and the God quality of life. I've come that you may have life and life more abundance. I don't know about you, but I'm into that abundant life thing. You know what I'm saying? Don't you want to be the person who walks in a room and because you know who you are and whose you are, that people don't scatter like Moses throwing a staff down to the Red Sea? Where people actually want to t connect with you and talk to you because there's something in you that you exude and what it is, it's the aroma of Christ. Jesus said of himself, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father because the Father and I are one. And it should be said of us that if they've seen us, they've seen Jesus. Because us, we and Jesus are also one. Amen? Amen. That's how critical this identity piece is. I want to share something. We're talking about dead or alive today. You remember the old westerns? I actually remember more than the old westerns, the Bon Jovi song, Wanted Dead or Alive. Because it has a great acoustic riff that starts that song. So I think of that more than I do the old westerns. But it's the idea, dead or alive. And back in the old westerns, they would say, I need you to bring that boy in, dead or alive. And then, you know, dramatic music, right? Cue dramatic music. And it'd be like, oh, dead or alive. It didn't matter how they get him. They just want to get him. But a lot of believers are living in almost like, are you dead or are you alive? Because there's not a lot of in-between. Wow. Not a lot of gray area on this one. Are you dead or are you alive? And we're going to look at the scripture and unpack a couple of scriptures here that I hope will help you in this idea of discovery. So listen to this uh, little quick review. Week one, we talked about this, that you, as a follower of Jesus, are free from accusation. Amen. Uh, that's huge. Amen. Is there not an accuser that speaks to you when you look in the mirror? Is there not an accuser who speaks to you when you try to worship? Maybe, maybe push your own boundary just a little bit. And he says, oh, who do you think you are? You're just trying to get people's attention. You just want to see people to see you wait. You know what I'm saying? There's an enemy. You know why I know that? Because he speaks to me too. Who do you think you are? We're free from accusation. Listen to this, Colossians 1.22, in the body of his flesh. That's Jesus himself through death. Jesus' own death. Here's what he does. He presents you. He takes you before the Father. Not the great Oz at the end of the corridor that's scary and frightening. I'm talking about the Father God, the one who loves you. The one that was on the porch waiting for his son to return. And who bailed off the porch, and the Bible says, and God ran to his son to meet him. That's the God I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the ogre who's a hundred years old, sitting in a, on a throne, can barely hold himself up, and just waiting to, to draw a sword on your life. And that's how some people see God the Father. So I'm talking about the one 
who loves you. And here's what Jesus does. He presents you holy, that means set apart, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. That is how the Father sees you. Holy, blameless, and above reproach. I didn't say, do you feel holy? Do you feel blameless? And do, and do you feel like you're above reproach? That you're above the line? No, it doesn't have anything to do with that. By the way, how were you saved? By grace through what? Faith. Guess what? That's how we live this thing out too. So we accept what God's Word says about us and what Jesus says about us and what Paul says about God saying about us. And we say, then that's me. If this is how God sees me, then that is how I am and it is who I am. Who I am is not my actions from 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 24 hours ago. That is not me. Those are things I do, but who I am, I'm defined by Jesus himself. I'm defined by the Father. I'm defined by the Scripture. And here's what the Scripture says about me. It says I'm holy, blameless, and above reproach. That doesn't make me want to be arrogant. It makes me in agreement with the Word, and it actually brings humility. Because all you can do after that, and you get the, when the ball drops on this, all you can do is basically be grateful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's the majority of my prayers. Thank you. Week two, we talked about this last week, and I encourage you to go back. You're leaking again. We need to be of those who leak out life everywhere we go, and we literally are sliming people with the grace of God everywhere. You know, Bill Murray, <laughs> Ghostbusters, he slimed me. That's where I got that. So, anyway, keep moving. So, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. God wants, he willed to, he wanted to make something known to us who are Gentiles and you too, uh, Elaine, who are Jewish by birth. Thank God we got grafted into your vine there. So that worked. So listen to this. Here's the mystery among the Gentiles. Which is, and here it is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That literally reads in the scripture like this, if you unpack it in the original language. It means Christ in and through you, the joyful and confident expectation of his manifested presence. Well, doesn't that blow that up? It makes the scripture come alive because that is how we are. So we've been tracking along in the book of Colossians. Listen to this by Dan Stone. He wrote, uh, he had some writings and teachings, and then a guy named David Gregory came and took those and put them into a book after David passed away. Listen to this. He writes this. And this book, The Rest of the Gospel, is one of my favorite books on the planet. This book, even though I'd been walking this track for a long time, it put it all into one thing that helped me understand it. Until we know union... We are constantly confronted by the illusion of separation. God is up there. I'm down here. How do I draw close to God? Give me a plan. Give me a program. Plenty of people are ready with the answers, he says. Quote, read your Bible. Pray, study, witness, tithe, take communion. Here are the plans. Here are the programs. Three steps to peace with God. Five steps to getting it all together. That sounds like the cover of a Cosmo magazine. Seven steps. Seven steps to bliss and happiness. And by doing all these externals, we think somehow we're going to, uh, uh, you know, climb the ladder to him. But it's like the old cliche, you spend your life climbing a ladder only to find it's on the wrong building. He says, but once you know your union with God, there is nothing left for you to do. That is hard for us to swallow when you come from a works-based theology. 
that says, I've got to earn God's approval. I've got to make him happy. I've got to please him because if he's not pleased, I'm in trouble. And listen to this. Oh, you may still do some of the outer things, the things that were listed, but you aren't doing them to get close to God. You and God are one, and there is no more separation. Isn't there this attitude that he's up there, and Jesus is my buddy. He's my friend. We can get along. I can relate to Jesus, but God, he's like the old guy up there in a chair who's mad at everybody. He's like the Grinch who stole Christmas. Or the Holy Spirit's like this vapor or mist that when you go to Six Flags, they have those misters everywhere, and you walk through it, and it's like, oh, what was that? That felt good. That's the Holy Spirit, right? We tend to take the Trinity. By the way, the word Trinity is the word, words put together. Try unity. Three in one. You've seen one. You've seen them all. You've seen them all. You see each one. So we've got to, it's hard to wrap your mind around, and some things you take by faith and go, I don't get it, but I'm getting it. I don't get it, but I'm grabbing hold of that because it's the truth and it's the word. And so when you see one, you see them all, you see all of them, you get one. Jesus said, if you've seen the Father, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know what that says to me? Brian Zan wrote, wrote a great quote on this. He's preaching on it this weekend out of the book of John. And he literally said this. He said, Jesus, he says, God is just like Jesus. And Jesus is just like God. Some of you are going, well, that's not that deep. Oh, yes, it is. See, because of our separation mentality, we've made God into something he's not and Jesus into something he's not. And somehow there's this great chasm between the two. They are one. They are one. When you get that, it's suddenly you read the Gospels and you see what Jesus did, how he handled people, how he loved, how he had compassion. You know, I, neither do I condemn you. Just go and sin no more. And then all of a sudden you go, wait, that's God. That's God the Father through the Son speaking that. And it begins to shift your perspective. Identity is critical. So listen to this. We're going to start in Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to buzz fairly quickly. little quick review on Colossians. It's the, actually the city is Colossae. And it's in the edge of Asia Minor, which would be modern day Turkey now. Paul had been imprisoned for preaching the gospel. Duh, he does that a lot, right? So from a prison cell, he has time on his hands, and Timothy and some of the other disciples and the followers of the way are actually coming to Paul and reporting on the different churches. So Paul is sort of grounded in a sense, but he still has these conversations, ongoing visits. Timothy's attending to him. So one of Paul's disciples, named Epaphras, actually goes out after hearing the gospel, getting born again, getting discipled by Paul within that two-year span, goes out and what? Goes to seminary? Goes to Bible school? No, he goes and plants a church. All you need is a Bible and a passport. Just go. He went. He took it literally. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. So I'm going to go. So he goes back to his hometown of Colossae. Thriving city. It was a metropolis at the time. And he starts a church. And that church begins to thrive. Now, Paul gets word back through Timothy and others that they're having some problems because, again, these are all brand new churches. And I'm telling you, people want to come along and, and derail things as they get started, and so that's what's happening, and that brings us up to where we are. Don't forget that when Paul was in Ephesus for two years, that because of a two-year time of spending in one place, all of Asia, the scripture says, all of modern-day Turkey, all of that area, the Bible says, heard the gospel. 
heard the good news. That was the fruitfulness of this mission. This is in the middle of that. This is that. And here's what's happening. Paul says this, I want you to know how much I've agonized for you. He loved the, the Christians at Colossae, even though he didn't know them personally. And for the church at Laodicea, we read about that church in the book of Revelation. And for many other believers who have never met me personally. He's saying, I've heard about you, I love you, and I labor, I, I pray over you, I agonize over you. Verse 2, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan. Here's that word again. Remember, the mystery was Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's bringing this word up again, this mystery word that was hidden and now is being unveiled. It's being revealed. That's the word revelation, which means to peel back. So he's peeling it back, kind of like those when you go to Chick-fil-A and they give you that little uh, ketchup thing. Have any of you ever squirted ketchup on your opening one of those? Nobody? I'm the only one? Wow. Okay, thank you for that hand in the back. So he says this, I want them to be, have complete confidence. They understand this mystery, this mystery, this, this packet, this mystery, peeling it back. He says this, and here it is, Christ himself. That's how deep this is. The mystery is Jesus himself. And if that's not enough for you, then we have a problem. Because Jesus should be enough. It shouldn't take fog machines, amazing sound systems, <laughs> amazing sound systems. It shouldn't take that to do the gospel. These are accessories and they're to help. And actually, they're not designed to amplify, they're designed to hide. They're designed to be out of the way so that we are, there's no hindrance to hearing what we need to hear. We're not distracted by bad sound and stuff going out and breaking and clarity. It should, Christ should be enough. Jesus should be enough. If we took away all the bells and whistles, all the programs, all the stuff, would, it, would Jesus be enough for you? Would Jesus be enough for the American church? Listen to this, verse 3. In him, in Christ, lie hidden all the treasures of of wisdom and knowledge. This is really important and I highlighted this on purpose. If all of the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Jesus, where is Jesus? He's in two places. Not a trick question. Two places. First of all, Christ in you. We were already told that, right? Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ is in you, which means all the hidden treasures of knowledge and wisdom are where? Ooh. Turn to your neighbor right now. I know you love it when I do this. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, he is definitely talking about you. Don't add anything to that like, but I wish you would mine it out, or I wish you would get it. Yeah, I wish you would connect. Don't go there. Just keep it simple. Keep it simple, saint, right? So here's the deal. All of that is in Christ. All of that is in you. Where is Christ? He's in you, but he's also seated where? At the right hand of the Father. Ephesians chapter 2 says as he's been raised up, we've been raised up together, seated in Christ, where? In heavenly places. All right, short version of this, there's, an above, there's a line. And we, there's above the line where God sees the end from the beginning. And man, we are perfect, we are complete, we are whole, all of those things. But then there's the below the line. 
That's the world of matter, the world of where stuff decays and breaks. It's a fallen world that we live in. There's above the line, below the line. And listen, they coexist at the same time. Good luck wrapping your mind around it. <laughs> it just is. And there are things that just are. And you can blow your mind if you want. I've done it many times. If you want to, to, to you know, pontificate about that, it's great. You want to think, but here's the deal. There's two worlds' existence at the same time. It's not dualism. Don't get off, off on that. It is literally the truth that we are already whole and complete in Christ. Listen, look at what the Scripture says. He says this, I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments because bad doctrine was starting to come in, and he was defending. He says, For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should, that your faith in Christ is strong. He says, And now... Just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Here's how we accepted Jesus. By grace, through faith. Ephesians 2. By grace, through faith. That's how we accept it. How do we walk this thing out? By grace. Say it. Hey. The same way we came is the same way we walk. The same way we came is the same way we go. By grace, through faith, we continue to walk. That means I didn't come to Jesus because I felt a warm fuzzy. Maybe you did. Yay for you. I didn't. I came by faith. I came by grace. The only thing I felt was when I prayed to receive Jesus leaning over the hood of that pickup on a spring night was it was like somebody taking shears and cut a backpack full of lead off my shoulders. I didn't get a warm fuzzy. I didn't hear an epiphany of angels. I didn't see anything. I just felt free. Like, wow, what just happened? I felt lighter. That's what I felt. But here, the bottom line is this. It wasn't even about what I felt. That was a result. What I felt was more about what I happened to know suddenly. That Jesus was Lord. He was who he said he was. And he died for me. And if there was one person on the planet, he would have done it. And that's what I felt, but it's really more what I knew in the moment. It became real to me. It's called revelation. I understood. I didn't understand all of it, all the dynamics. I just knew he died for me. And that I needed to, whatever that meant, you can say it a hundred ways. I needed to step over the line and go all in with him. And that's what I did. And then the journey began. Here's the beauty of it, though. The moment I did that, I was already complete and perfected in Christ. I was already above the line. So look what it says. He says, this is what you should do. You must continue to follow him. He says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. That's ongoing. That's the process of sanctification. It's discipleship. It's the ongoing growth. It's us on the journey together. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. My gosh, when you really get this, all you can do is pretty much say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I always say, Lord, I know I sound like a broken record, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for salvation. Thank you. And then when the bad days come, the hard days come, you know what I say? Thank you. Please stop it. Thank you. <laughs> Enough's enough. I've learned. I've got the lesson. Yeah, I try to short. It never happens, but I try. I'm thankful he loves me as I am. Amen? But he's not leaving me there. 
Listen to this, verse 8. Don't let anyone capture you, take you captive, with philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that came from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Now he says this. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. This is when Jesus, this is a reference to the same principle where he told his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, everything I am is everything he is. You realize how massive that is? How huge that is? And listen. Verse 10. So you also are complete. Let's just stop there. Pause. Jesus, Paul, says this. That because you're in Christ, you are now complete. Know what the word complete means? It means whole. It means integrated. You are now integrated because of Christ. Because you're in Christ, you're now integrated. You're whole. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, you don't know me very well. <laughs> I know I don't, but Jesus does. In fact, he knows everything about you. And here's where he sees you. He sees you above the line. And he sees you complete, whole, perfected, he sees the end from the beginning and he looks at you and he says, oh, I'm so pleased with you. I so love you. Yeah, you're one hot mess, but oh, you're my one hot mess and I love you. I love you. In spite of your actions, because you're not defined by your actions, you're defined by what I say. Because he is the truth that makes us free. And so what he tells us is truth, not what's going on down here below the line. You say, well, Pastor Jimmy, that just, well, that's just an excuse to go blow it then. That's, man, that just gives me a license to sin. You don't need a license to sin. You're going to do it anyway. This idea, this mentality that be careful on that gray stuff because, man, people have a runaway. They're already having a runaway. Have you looked up lately? Everybody's already screwed up. We're already blowing it day in and day out. They don't need a license or permission. What they need permission to do is breathe, live. And take off this shackle that they've been carrying called religion and walk in freedom in Christ and go, ah, oh, feels good to get that off of my neck. That's what we need. And then here's what happens. It's the craziest, backwardest thing ever. That was a West Texasism. It's the backwardest thing ever. It is this. Once you're free, you don't want to do that stuff anymore. Amen. It starts to drop off of you. And that doesn't happen all at once, by the way. This is a process. It starts to fall off. It starts to fall off. And suddenly you find yourself free from something that's been besetting you for decades. You go, wait, what happened? Where did that go? You didn't even notice because it just dropped off. See, when we get so focused on him, we can walk on water. Hey, check it out in the Bible. Peter got out on water. And as long as he was focused, everything else just went away. Even the laws of gravity. Even the laws of physics. He defied everything when his eyes were on Jesus. So here's what we're going to end with. So also you complete through your union with Christ. We're complete through our union with Christ, who's the head over every ruler and authority. Last week I didn't go there, but I want to go there this week, and that is this. We're going to end with a prayer. I'm simply going to invite you to embrace your identity in Christ as the truth that makes you free. And, and we're going to do it do a prayer, but it's the mentality of that doesn't mean you feel free. You don't have to feel like it to do it. We walk by faith, by grace, through faith. By the way, grace means empowerment, not just uh, swinging in a hammock on a spring day. Grace means 
God's, God's power, God's strength, God's ability, and God's favor to do what you cannot in and of yourself do. That's what grace, that's what I'm referring to. That power to do what you can't do in yourself, he brings it by grace, through faith. That's how we do it. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Pray a simple prayer. I'm going to lead you in it. And it's simply to receive what he says about us instead of what the mirror says about us or our mind says about us or some very well-meaning but very misguided individual said about us or what some terrible person said about us. And I'm going to ask the Lord to create an allergy. An, an allergy. I'm going to ask the Lord to give you an allergy to allergic people, to, to negative people, so that we can get above this stuff because that's where we're called to live. Anybody here need to be allergic to negative people? Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's all stand together. Just stand to your feet. We're going to pray this prayer together. I'm going to ask you to do something. This may be a stretch for some of you. I'm just going to ask you to put out your hands like somebody's going to lay something in your hands. Just palms up, as uh, Richard Foster calls it. Just palms up. All it is, it's a, it's a, it's a posture of openness. And you can do this by faith. You don't have to feel a thing. I'm not asking you to feel anything. I'm asking you to faith it. I'm asking you to lean in and just say, Lord, I don't get it completely, but I want to receive what you have for me. And if this identity thing, if it is what this scripture just said, I want that. So you're not wanting what Jimmy says, you're wanting what the scripture says. And that's our guide. So Father, I stand here with these amazing people. The ones that you look at, you see holy, blameless, and above reproach. You see them as unaccusable. You see them as set apart. You see them as beautiful. Lord, you see them as whole and integrated and complete in Christ. And you see them above the circumstances, not below. So Lord, I come before you with my friends and family here right now with our palms up. And we say, Father, Father. I embrace by faith. In fact, just pray this with me. Say, Father, I embrace and I welcome and I receive my identity in Jesus as defined through the scriptures by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody should just take a breath. Because I believe what happened for some, and I believe possibly all, is that a shift just occurred in the trajectory of the rest of your life. The rest of your life. Something just changed. So let me pray this out. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person here. Take this word and seal it in our spirit as we, by faith, embrace who we are in Christ as opposed to what anyone else or anything else or even our own minds accuse us of. Father, we're not defined by those things. We're defined by your word. And we lean into that and welcome it and embrace it. And now teach us and help us develop what it means to walk this out by grace through faith. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Good to see all you new people. Blessings to you. Have a great day.